Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, we thank you for this Shabbat. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together as Mishpacha, as family to worship before you and to open your word and to receive from you. Lord, I pray that as we open up your word today, as we dig into the Parsha, that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives, that it will be your word heard and received, that nothing me will be involved except that which you have ordained specifically for this purpose. Father, I pray that you will prepare our hearts even now as we speak to receive from you, to encounter you and to hear you, Lord, as you reach into our lives and transform us even that much more into the image and likeness of Yeshua Mashiach. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. You have your scriptures. Go ahead and open up to this week's Parsha. Begins with um, Exodus chapter 27, verse 20. So the tell end of Exodus 27. We're in Parsha Tetzaveh this week, which uh, is 27, 20 through 30, verse 10. Um, and there's a lot where, as a matter of fact, the next several uh, parshot of the book of Exodus uh, and more or less from this parsha through the end of Exodus is going to sound a lot like the book of Leviticus uh, in that what we're seeing at the, the latter uh, half of the book of Exodus is God describing the design, the layout, the structure of the tabernacle, of the temporal dwelling place, the tent that he has called us and commanded us to build in the likeness and image of what Moses saw uh, in heaven when he was upon Mount Sinai within the presence of God. Uh, this tabernacle, this temporal dwelling place was specifically for the purpose, as we said last week, of the presence of God, the Shekhinah, the divine glory to dwell in the midst of his people. And if you look at the design, which we'll go over later on, uh, moving through Exodus and into Leviticus, if we look at the design of the layout of the nation of Israel encamped in the wilderness, we recognize that the central focus of the camps of Israel was the presence of God in the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies, and that the camps of Israel were built around the presence uh, or around the tabernacle. And you had on the east end with the main entrance, you had the, the uh, Kohanim, the Aaronic uh, family, the Aaronic uh, uh, tribe that were a partial tribe that were encamped there. And then behind them were three tribes. And then you had the Leviim, the three other orders of the Levitical lineage that were uh, around the west, the south, and the north sides of the tabernacle. And then you had three tribes each behind them. And so you had the tabernacle, then you had the buffer of the Leviim and the Kohanim, who the Lord had called out specifically for the purpose of being in ministry to the nation of Israel. So they act as this buffer between the, the tribes of Israel and the presence of God. And then you have the nation of Israel scattered around that, if you would, acting as a buffer be between the presence of God and the nations who they are to bring the, the, the reality of the word of God, the reality of the covenant and the relationship of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob too. And so it's this really interesting thing and we recognize that we serve a God that despite how much we want to in the body of Messiah today to cleave to this idea of just sheer and total freedom from all, right? Most of the body of Messiah has this mindset that all of this stuff in the Torah is all yesterday's news and it doesn't matter anymore and none of it is of any value that we're now under grace and freedom and we can do whatever we want and God really doesn't care how we do it as long as we do it to his glory. But the reality is, is God really does care. 
And if you look at the Brachadashah, the New Covenant writing, uh, at what's called the New Testament, you'll notice that God is just as detailed in the Brachadashah as he is in the Tanakh. He's just as detailed in the Brachadashah as he is in the Torah. And nothing has changed. And so when we look at this, there is great prophetic reality that is buried in each and every line of these parshot and each and every line of these sections of Exodus and moving into Leviticus as we read about the layout, the, the uh, diagram, if you would, of the tabernacle that's modeled after what Moses saw in heaven. And so this week we're dealing specifically with the garments of the priesthood and specific the garments of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. So uh, chapter 28, beginning with verse 1, says... Bring your brother Aaron near with his sons from among B'nai Israel, from among the children of Israel, so that they may minister to me as Kohanim. Aaron his, and his sons, Nadav and Abihu, Eleazar and Itamar, these are the garments that they are to make, a breastplate and a fad, a robe, a tunic of checkered work, a turban and a sash. They are to make holy garments for your brother Aaron and his sons, so that he may minister to me as a Kohen. We recognize that the high priest is to serve as a mediator, as an intermediate between the nation of Israel and the people of, uh, of God that, uh, I'm sorry, the nation of Israel and God himself, that the, the high priest will serve as the one making sacrifice and, and, and atonement for the nation of Israel, for the iniquities that they bring upon the tabernacle, for the iniquity they bring upon themselves, and so on and so forth. And so the Lord has laid out these very specific garments that are to be worn by the high priest in service before the Lord on behalf of Israel, and I want to focus specifically on three distinct pieces of the garments that the high priest would have worn. So if you go to verse 9, uh, Exodus 28, verse 9, it says, you are to take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of B'nai Israel, six of their names on one stone and the names of the remaining six on the other stone. In order of their birth, with the work of a gem cutter engraving a seal, each the, uh, etch the two stones in the order of the names of Bnei Israel, make them enclosed in settings of gold, fasten the two stones upon the shoulder pieces of the ephod to be a memorial stones, uh, to be memorial stones for Bnei Israel. So Aaron is to bear the names before Adonai on his two shoulders as a reminder. So we see that these onyx stones that are upon the shoulders of the ephod, which is this like uh, apron-type garment that the priest has over his, his uh, regular priestly clothes um, that this ephod has on the shoulders, these two onyx stones. And upon the onyx stones are etched the names of each of the 12 tribes of Israel, six on one, six on the other, in order of their birth. Uh, and as we move through this, we recognize that very specifically he tells us why, right? Because most of us in the body of Messiah in the 21st century completely segregated from everything that was uh, Old Testament history and context as it would often be called, completely separate from Jewish custom and tradition and culture. We look at this and go, what does God really care about a couple of rocks on a dude's shoulders? How is that making any difference, right? But when we look at this, he's very intentional in telling us what the purpose is. Verse 12, fasten the two stones upon the shoulder pieces of the ephod to be a memorial stone for B'nai Israel, to be a reminder before the presence of God. Because you remember, when is the high priest wearing these clothing? He's wearing this clothing when he's in the tabernacle, ministering before the presence of God. Not necessarily in the Holy of Holies itself, but when he is in the tabernacle, ministering on behalf of Israel before the presence of God. And so as he is there standing before the presence of God, he bears the names of the tribes of Israel as a reminder before the Lord on his own shoulders. He bears 
the tribes of Israel on his shoulders. This is the mediator between Israel and Hashem, bearing the weight of the tribes of Israel upon his shoulder. It's important to grasp because what we realize is that Israel is going to mess up over and over and over again, right? We don't get very far into the rest of the book of Exodus before they really mess up big, right? And when they do, Moses comes down and God says, look, I'm just gonna wipe them out and start fresh with you. And Moses says, look, I don't have another 40 years. Like, this isn't happening. But he goes, he goes, uh, he goes I'm gonna wipe out, wipe them out. I'm gonna start fresh with you, Moses. And Moses uh, beseeches the Lord on behalf of Israel. And it says that the Lord remembered. He, he reneged on what he was saying. He remembered Israel. So the high priest served in the role as mediator to carry before the Lord the memory in spite of Israel's sins, in spite of their mistakes, in spite of yours and my issues, the high priest carried the weight of the nation of Israel upon his own shoulders to remind the Lord, not that God can forget Israel. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He can't forget them. But it's a reminder in spite of their sins. We have, many of us have children. And when our children uh, uh, contradict what we have called them to do or ask them to do, they, they go against what we've done, they act out, they misbehave. Most of us really wish that we could just send them to their room and forget about them for a little while, right? But in spite of that, like I, I was talking to someone the other day, on the rare occasion that I have to spank my children, I make it a point when I spank them to, after I spank them, I, first I don't spank them when I'm angry because it's too hard to control what is going to happen. So uh, uh, when I spank them, uh, I make sure after I spank them to stop them and go, okay, do you know why you just got a spanking? Do you know why you just got in trouble? And we have a conversation about what they did wrong, about where they messed up at. And then immediately afterwards, I wrap my arms around them and give them a hug and tell them I love them. The reality is, is that Israel was going to sin. The Lord was well aware of this. He knew, I mean, they didn't get across the, the Yom Suf, the Sea of Reeds before they started grumbling. Israel was going to sin and the Lord knew this. And so he had already placed in play a plan in which in spite of their sins, in spite of their mistakes, there would constantly and forever be a reminder before him on the shoulders of Aaron, on the shoulders of the high priest, of his love and of his grace and of his mercy that he will forever show to the people of Israel. We move on to verse 15. Make a breastplate of judgment, the work of skillful craftsmen. You are to make it like the design of the ephod of gold, blue, purple, scarlet, and finely twisted linen. It is to be squared and doubled over, a span in length and a span in width. Skipping forward to verse 21, these, the stones are to be engraved in the order of the names of B'nai Israel, 12 according to their names, like the etching of a signet seal, one corresponding to the name of the 12 tribes of Israel. Verse 29, Aaron will bear the names of B'nai Israel on the, his breastplate of judgment on his heart whenever he enters the holy place as a continual memorial before Adonai. Also put the Urim and the Tumim, uh, which means light and perfections within the breastplate of judgment so they will be on Aaron's heart when he goes before, uh, in before Adonai. Aaron will bear the judgment of Israel on his heart before Adonai continually. So here is yet another garment 
that has more stones, each of the stones on the breastplate of a different color, each of the stones representing one of the 12 tribes of Israel, each of the stones having the name of that tribe etched upon it, and it's worn on the chest of Aaron, worn on the chest of the high priest for the singular purpose of uh, 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 being a judgment or bearing judgment before Adonai of Israel. So we've got Aaron who is already carrying the weight of the burden of the nation of Israel as a reminder before the Lord on his shoulders. Now he's carrying the burden of the judgment of Israel. Why is Israel going to be judged? Why are you and I going to be judged? Why is the world around us going to be judged? Because of sin, right? And so he carries the judgment of Israel upon his chest. In particular, it says he will forever stand before the Lord and carry the judgment of Israel upon his heart. It doesn't just say that he wears it on his chest, but he will, so uh, verse uh, 30, so they will be on Aaron's heart when he goes before Adonai. Aaron will bear the judgment of Israel on his heart before Adonai continually. Now think about this. In just a few chapters, Aaron is at the very center of the golden calf scenario. Aaron is the one that builds this thing for him. And when Moses comes down angry, Moses goes, dude, what in the world's going on? And Aaron goes, I don't know. These people you gave me, they threw some gold in a pot and poof. Here's this. The Torah specifically says that Aaron made the thing. And he's like, I don't know where it came. They just threw some stuff in and here it is. What do you want from me? Do you know these people? You know, you, you were with them coming across. You know how bad they are. You know what they're, and you're coming at me. Here is Aaron, who in just a few chapters is gonna wreck everything or at least be involved in wrecking everything. And the Lord is already setting up a way in which not only can he carry the weight of his sins and actions, but he will carry the weight of the judgment of all Israel upon his heart. So when he goes in before the presence of the Lord to serve in mediation on behalf of Israel, when he goes in to seek atonement for the nation of Israel, he carries the reminder of God's love, his mercy, and his grace for each of the tribes of Israel. He carries the judgment of the sins of the nation of Israel upon his own chest and literally upon his heart as he goes in before the presence of the Lord. And then we skip forward uh, to verse 36, uh, and it talks about this turban, this head garment that the high priest wore uh, upon his head, which, by the way, the, the modern kippah or yarmulke that we wear in Judaism today, uh, uh, whether you're talking like I have on, the kind of smaller ones, the big giant black ones uh, that you see with more orthodox communities, or uh, the, you know, the, the, the Yemenite style, or I mean, there's a ton of different kippot that are worn within Jewish culture and uh, an expression from all over the world. The yarmulke that we wear, the kippah that we wear today is reminiscent for us, traditionally reminiscent of the head covering the high priest would have worn. We recognize that we are not all high priests in the order of, uh, of Aaron, uh, so we don't wear something exactly like what he wore, but the, the book of Exodus chapter 19 at Sinai, the Lord says, I will make you a nation of Kohanim. So we recognize that we are, uh, uh, in a sense, a nation of priests. And the high priest in service before the Lord was required to have his head covered. And if we are priests before the, in, in service to the Lord, we realize and believe that we are always in service before the Lord, that we are always serving him. And so we have our heads covered traditionally with a keeper or a yarmulke as a reminder of what the high priest did and as a, a way of interacting with that reality of us being a nation of Kohanim. So the, the head covering that we wear is a nod back to this, but there's this turban the high priest wore. Verse 36 says, also you to make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engravings of a seal, holy to Adonai, kadosh Adonai. Attach it with a violet cord onto the turban, on the front of the turban, so it will rest on Aaron's forehead so that Aaron will bear 
away the iniquity committed regarding the holy things which B'nai Israel set apart as all their holy gifts. It is to be always on his forehead so that they may have favor before Adonai. Says that he wears it so as a, a way of bearing the iniquity, uh, bearing away the iniquity committed against the holy things. This is the Aron Habrit, the Ark of the Covenant. This is the altar. This is the table of showbread, the, the Ner Tamid, the, uh, the menorah that was in the inner courts. This is the tent itself. This is every aspect, every furnishing, every piece of these holy things that the Lord has prescribed for service before him, for a presence of his dwelling. And it's not talking about Israel brought iniquity upon it as though somehow the, 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 the temporal building was able to sin, but instead that every time we sin while the presence of God is in our midst, we bear iniquity of bringing something unclean upon something holy. The Lord said his presence can't dwell in the midst of sin. So whenever Israel sinned, the presence of God was in their midst in this temporal dwelling in this tabernacle and Aaron was to wear this reminder on his head on the turban that said, Kadosh Adonai, holy to the Lord. So that whenever he went into the tabernacle, whenever he went into the holy place, that there was this reminder before the Lord uh, as he bared, Aaron bared away the iniquity of the people that they brought upon the holy things of Adonai. Now, I specifically am talking about these particular clothings, clothing items, and in particular about the high priest himself because this is a prophetic reality of something far greater that we see within the scriptures. And so as we look at this, we recognize that he carries the weight of the, the reminder of Israel upon his shoulders. He carries the uh, burden of judgment on Israel's sins upon his heart. And he carries the reality of the, uh, the holiness of, of the, the furnishings, the items of the tabernacle, the holy things of the Lord upon his, uh, his head as he stands before the Lord in service and in ministry on behalf of Israel. So then we move to Hebrews chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Now, here is the main point being said. We do have such a Kohen Gadol, a high priest, who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. He is a priestly attendant of the holies and the true tent, which Adonai set up, not man. This is the very tabernacle. This is the very Mishkan, the dwelling place for the presence of the Lord that Moses saw when he was in the cloud of the presence of God on Mount Sinai, that the tabernacle that was built around the base of Mount Sinai was based after. For every Kohen Gadol is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so it is necessary for this one also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a Kohen at all since the, there are those who offer the gifts according to the Torah. Yeshua couldn't be a Kohen on earth because he was not of the Levitical order, but instead was of the uh, lineage of Judah in the order of Melech David. They offer service in a replica and a foreshadowing of the heavenlies. One that is just as Moses was instructed by God when he was about to complete the tabernacle for he says, see that you make everything according to the design that was shown to you on the mountain. But now Yeshua has obtained a more excellent ministry insofar as he is the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. Now, what covenant is he speaking of? Is this the covenant given at Mount Sinai to Moses and Israel? Is this the covenant that was given to Abraham? Is this the covenant that was given to Adam? Is this the covenant that was given to Melech David, to King David? 
You understand that throughout the Tanakh, there was covenant after covenant after covenant after covenant that the Lord made with his people. And that each of those covenants built upon the prior. But this here in Hebrews chapter 8, in contradiction to what most of the body of Messiah teaches on this passage, this is speaking of a very distinct covenant. And as the, that was the covenant made with Aaron as the high priest of Israel. Yeshua couldn't be a high priest on earth in the order of Aaron because he wasn't of the lineage of Aaron. He was of the lineage of Judah. But instead, that he is a high priest uh, serving in a, a more excellent ministry insofar as he is the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted for better promises. This isn't some new covenant, by the way. As a matter of fact, in the Greek, that word new doesn't exist. So when you have a translation that talks about a new covenant in this section, that word isn't there. It's added in with the intention of changing the narrative and the meaning of the text. All right? So he's not talking about God enacting a new covenant, but instead he makes it very clear that everything that was done in the tabernacle and the Mishkan here on earth, everything that was done by the high priest and the order of Aaron here on earth was done as a replica of and a foreshadowing of that of the heavenlies. Yeshua's serving in the order uh, as the high priest of the order of Malchizedek was written from before the foundations of time. It was already the plan of God. It was already the reality and so everything that Aaron did as he carried the weight of the reminder of the nation of Israel as a whole upon his shoulders, as he carried the judgment of Israel upon his chest, upon his heart, as he carried a reminder to the Lord upon his head of the holy things that were given over to him in spite of Israel's sins, the reality is, is that everything that Aaron did and that his descendants did as high priest was a replica of what Yeshua would do and a foreshadowing of what Yeshua would do in the heavenly tabernacle. We go forward to uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But when Messiah appeared as Kohen Gadol, as high priest of the good things that have now come, passing through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, he entered into the holies once for all, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Messiah who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God cleanse our conscience from dead works to serving the living God? Think about this. If everything that was made in connection to the Mishkan, to the tabernacle here on earth, was made in the image and likeness of what Moses saw of the heavenlies and the tabernacle in the heavenlies, that, that God said, make everything exactly as I have shown you, then that must also include the garments the high priest had to wear, right? Right? Which means that the high priest in the heavenlies was already in service. Not in the sense of what we know as today with the fact that Yeshua had offered his life for us because that had not happened in our time frame. But keep in mind that God lives outside of the reality of time. If you hold up a water bottle, I don't know if anybody has one with you, but if you hold up a water bottle and you look at it, I'm just going to explain the concept of time, right? I'm a great physicist. I will explain this to you in brilliance. Uh, yeah, something like that. You hold up a bottle of water, you know, a clear bottle. Inside that bottle, you've got a beginning, which is the bottom of the bottle, and you've got an end, which is the top of the bottle. And within this is this idea of time. Time began at creation, and time ends when creation ends. Time ends when everything that we see around us, the heaven and earth roll away and the new heaven and Jerusalem descend upon the earth. Time ends. 
Everything that happens here on earth before the recreation of all that has been created, everything that happens happens within the construct of that water bottle. Some of it happened closer to the one end and some of it happens closer to another end, but it all happens within that. But here is God outside of the water bottle and everything's happening at once in his perspective. Everything has happened, will happen, and is happening all at the same time. And so while we are experiencing the reality of time here on earth, Yeshua in God's reality has already performed what was necessary for our atonement. It just took time for time to catch up with what he had already done. And so here we recognize that if Moses built and uh, uh, had everything built and, and designed specifically after what he saw in the tabernacle in the heavenlies, and that includes the priestly garments, which Yeshua, our high priest in the order of Malchizedek, had already been wearing. And so if you think about it, the reality is, is that upon the high priest and upon his shoulders was carried the weight of the reminder of the nations of Israel, the nation of Israel, each of the tribes. He carried the weight of Israel upon his shoulders. Yeshua carries the weight of the reminder of each and every one of us of all of creation, including Israel, upon his shoulders as he enters in ministry on our behalf, mediating in a better covenant. On the breastplate that the high priest wore was the uh, opportunity for him to bear the judgment for Israel's sins. Where? Upon his heart. Yeshua literally took the judgment of our sins upon himself. And he offered his life once and for all that we could be redeemed, renewed, and restored. And he offered his blood in the heavenlies and the holy of holies in the heavenlies so that there could be a once and for all atonement sacrifice. He carried the judgment for our sins upon his heart. He had a gold plate. The priest had a gold plate upon his head with the words, Kadosh Adonai, holy unto the Lord, to bear the iniquity of the people committed against the holy things of Adonai. And this was worn on his head. The reality is that Yeshua carried the iniquity that was our sins. You and I are a temporal dwelling place. We were designed to be a temporal dwelling place for the presence of the Lord. We are holy things. And every time we sin, we sin against the holy things that we were created to be. We sin against the Lord in whose image we were created in. And Yeshua carries the reminder that we are holy unto the Lord in spite of our sins as he serves in the holy of holies in the heavenlies. We go to Exodus chapter 19, verse 3. Exodus chapter 19, verse 3. This is at Mount Sinai. Moses went up to God and I called to him from the mountain saying, say this to the house of Jacob and to tell B'nai Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you listen closely to my voice and keep my covenants, then you will be my own treasure from among all peoples for all the earth is mine. So as for you, you will be to me a kingdom of Kohanim, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which you are to speak to B'nai Israel. We go forward to 1 Peter 2 verse 9 where Peter reiterates these words. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You were shown no mercy, but now you have been shown mercy. 
because of the work of Yeshua Mashiach, our high priest in the order of Melchizedek serving in a better covenant, the covenant on which the covenant of Aaron was modeled after. Because of the work of Yeshua Mashiach, we have been redeemed, we have been restored, we have been renewed, and we are able to, through the power and the presence of God, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua, we are able to walk in the reality of what God called us to be at Mount Sinai, which is his holy people, a nation of Kohanim, a nation of priests. And because of the work of Messiah Yeshua, as our high priest, because of the work of Messiah in the Holy of Holies in the heavenlies, we can now live out the words of Hebrew chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have boldness to enter into the holies by the blood of Yeshua. He inaugurated a new and living way for us through the curtain that is his flesh. We also have a Kohen Gadol over God's household. So let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and bodies washed with pure water. Because of the work of Messiah, who is the true high priest, who is exactly what the plan was from the beginnings of creation itself, before the foundations of time ever existed, we have been able to be renewed and restored. That we don't just have an earthly priest serving in mediation between us and God, but we actually have our heavenly priest, which is established long before creation ever existed for the sole purpose of serving not just in mediation between us and the Lord, but a, a paving a way, allowing a way for us to be able to walk fully into his presence, boldly entering the Holy of Holies, boldly entering his throne room and encountering the power and the presence of the Shekhinah, the divine glory, becoming a living temporal dwelling place here on earth for the presence of God. This is a powerful reality. So many believers look at the Torah, look at these passages in Exodus and later in Leviticus, and they look at this and go, but that's just repetitive, old, useless. God doesn't care about it anymore because there's a new covenant. But the reality is, is God does not waste words. His word is living, it is breathing, and it is eternal. And he has called us to live in relationship with his word, the fullness of his word from Genesis to Revelation. I believe that the entirety of the word of God is the word of God, divinely inspired and authored by the hands of men at the leading of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways that I like to describe it, and some of you have heard me say this before, is that the Torah is the word of God and everything else from Joshua through Revelation is God's commentary on God's word. It's God's explanation of how better to live our relationship with the word of God. And you've got to understand that he didn't undo it with the blood of Yeshua upon the cross. He didn't undo it with the better covenant serving in the tabernacles and the holies in heaven. But instead, he reiterated the reality that what was given to us in the Torah was a replica of and a foreshadowing of far greater realities. The tabernacle and the priesthood and the sacrificial system was a prophetic promise of what God would do through his only begotten son for you and I to be restored in our role rightly as priests, as heirs, as sons and daughters of the King Most High. And it's time that we stand firm in that reality and boldly walk into his throne room, into the Holy of Holies, as we have been commanded to do as priests of the Lord Most High. 
Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, we thank you that your word reigns true, that it reigns supreme, that there is nothing new under the sun, that you have created everything that has existed from the foundations of creation through the end of creation for the distinct purpose of drawing us closer and closer and closer to you and walking more in alignment with the image and likeness of our creator that we were created in. Father, I thank you that we have a high priest that is sitting at the throne in heaven and serving in mediation on behalf. I thank you, Lord, that while most of uh, our Jewish world is looking for the reestablishment of an earthly temple and the reenactment of the uh, sacrificial system for atonement, Father, I thank you that we have secure faith that final atonement has been made for our lives. And Father, I thank you that you have given us the mission, the, the vision, the goal, the yearning from your heart through ours to reach our Jewish world with the truth and the reality of Yeshua Mashiach, the one and only high priest who offers in the heavenlies once and for all, for all men. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu, in the name of Yeshua our Messiah we pray and everyone says, Amen and Amen.